I'm obsessed with trends. Yeah, you're aware of every trend that ever exists. I feel. Whoa. Yeah. Whereas I feel so detached and stupid all the time. It started with Tamagotchis. If you don't know what those are, you're probably Gen Z. And then it just kept going from there. And I always wanted to be on the cusp of a trend. You know what? My parents never let me have the things that everyone had, like Pokemon cards. And, you know, like even video games. I think since then I've just been thirsty to like have trends as an adult. I was one of those kids who just didn't know what the trends were. And honestly, my mom just bought my clothes till I was like in university. You know what? You went to a Catholic school where you had to wear a uniform. True. I went to a public school where what you wore really was important to set you apart from other people. I was wearing skinny jeans. I had an emo haircut. I needed everyone to know that I was a bit of a freak. You know what I mean? So I could get through the day. I would say the emo scene was the only trend I really jumped on because it really struck my heart. And I joined a screamo band when I was in high school. And, you know, this was like gay little me trying to fit in with the straight boys. So I was like, yeah, having the flipped hair, having the dark clothes, playing piano and crying. Welcome to Netflix's Know-It-All. I'm Greg Brown. And I'm Mitch Boffitt. You might know us from YouTube or TikTok. We're the ASAP Science Guys and your hosts for this podcast. And today, what's a trend? Why do certain trends take off? Why do some trends die? And why we feel like we have to hop on the bandwagon either way. This week, we watched that 90s show on Netflix. If you watched that 70s show like us when we were younger... This is kind of a sequel TV series, but 20 years later. Like that 70s show, it's a fun sitcom reliving the 90s. It's fashion, it's style, it's general aesthetic. Honestly, the 90s are back in full swing, so all you Gen Z, you can't make fun of us for everything. I love having the house full again. It just it fills me with joy. Eric's having a hard time with Leia. But all I know is that I'm going to love her and stand behind her no matter what. That is a great idea. Because when you stand behind your kids, it's easier to put your foot in their ass. Yeah, we got it, Thanks. And it made us start wondering, like, why is this trendy now? How does this all start? Also, this is the point in the show where I need to remind you that the 90s were 30 years ago, by the way. (laughs) I just threw up in my mouth a little. Now, trends exist in everything. There are trends in science, trends in music, trends in food, trends in baby names. You don't meet many new Gregs or Mitches, by the way. What's the deal with that? These are great names. I actually don't love my name, Greg, but Mitch, you can take that one. (laughs) (laughs) But the first question I was thinking about was how do fashion trends start? Like, is someone just like, yes, this shall be popular across the land? Actually, that's a little bit closer than you might think to the truth. Trend? What trend? This trend. Crazy, right? Er, yes. I know! There's no absolutely definitive way to know when in history fashion trends began, but the best guess is that trends started as a way to show how much extra money and leisure time you had. And who had more extra money and leisure time through history than royalty? A little bit of a history lesson. According to The Atlantic, before Louis XIV became king in the 17th century, high fashion among the upper class was relatively unchanging and based off of Spanish style, which was pretty black and not super flashy at the time. But Louis had an eye for fashion and for raking in money. With the help of his finance minister, he kickstarted a fashion industry that was much more colorful and flamboyant. 
he mandated a strict dress code at his palace. Visiting nobles could only appear at the palace in the latest fashions. New styles would be released every six months, and other countries started copying the king, recognizing that planned obsolescence of upper-class clothing was a good economic stimulus. This is wild because it feels like this is still what's happening today. <laughs> Fast fashion is fashion now. By the end of Louis' reign, a third of workers in Paris were working in textile and fashion. So that's all well and good if you're like a noble person in France. But what about the rest of us? How do trends work when you're a normal person like me on the street? Actually, maybe it's a little different than a king telling French royalty what to wear, but it's actually similar. There's one theory behind how fashion trends flow called the trickle-down theory. It was described by an economist named Thorstein Veblen in 1899. Now, Thorstein, that's an A-plus name that should be trendy and come back. The TLDR is affluent people with high incomes started doing something and people below them started copying it. Once the fashion is adopted by lower classes, the affluent reject it and start with something new. There was a recent study looking into how women who were moving to a new city might change their clothing styles depending on where they go, looking specifically at shoes and heel sizes. To examine this trend, researchers teamed up with a large online fashion retailer. They examined the size of high heels in five years of shoe purchases, 16,236 in total, of over 2,000 women who moved between one of 180 U.S. cities. So people are just like copying what everyone else around them might wear, right? It actually has more to do with how income levels shaped up. The findings showed that women adopt local trends, like changing the size of heels while moving to richer parts of the city, but ignore them when they move to socioeconomically lower areas. In other words, most women want to look like rich girls and different from the poor girls, says Kurt Gray, assistant professor at University of North Carolina. They call this trickle-down conformity because fashion preferences trickle down from the top but seldom up from the bottom. Why do you dress like that? Like? Like that. What's you wearing? You look poor. Now, I understand copying the styles of people we want to be like, whether that's wealthy or people who are celebrities or social media influencers. But what I don't get is why everyone is now dressing like my parents. I mean, they're not French royalty. They're not celebrities. It's true. I do raid your dad's closet sometimes now and like take his shirts. <laughs> you literally have my dad's <laughs> shirts. So the answer to that one is potentially nostalgia. A visual, smell, or sound that can initiate a memory that brings us a longing for something in the past. That feeling of longing and wistfulness for times gone by is a very common sensation. A study in PNAS in 2017 found that nostalgia is one of the 27 main emotions that we humans feel. Okay, hold on one second. You're telling me we have 27 emotions? <laughs> yes, Mitch, we are complex. We are human. We are so nuanced. Maybe I'm just simple. <laughs> oh, that's a lot of feelings. You doing okay? It turns out that feeling nostalgia actually triggers something in your brain. When nostalgia was triggered, the brains of the people being scanned showed activity in the memory areas and in the parts that gave us quote-unquote rewards or positive feelings and positive sensations. A researcher in the study was quoted as saying that the rewards released by nostalgia in the brain can calm a person down, reduce anxiety, and affect your outlook. So much so that nostalgia can affect your decision-making, which is why it is such an exploited marketing tactic. 
Harkening back to the quote-unquote good old days is well known as an effective strategy for influencing decision-making, and a study in the Journal of Consumer Research in 2014 confirmed that when you feel nostalgia, you make bigger purchasing decisions. Researchers have also told the New York Times that powerful nostalgic memories can help us cope with transition in our lives, they give us comfort, and can help our sense of identity. In the brain, that tendency for connection to the past in humans can affect your emotions, decisions, and even your habits. Studies have found that the more nostalgic you feel, the more you experience something called self-continuity, where you identify with the same identity over time. One study published in Emotion in 2016 actually found that the more self-continuity you feel from nostalgic memories, the happier you are. I do find personally that I often go back and rewatch movies and TV shows, and it is this sort of comfort. It's like I know what I'm going to get. It connects me to myself and who I am and who I want to be even. Yeah, one of the researchers said in many ways, nostalgia also helps you to remember your roots and have a reflective effect on your life. Okay, I sound like a researcher. That's exactly how I feel. (laughs) (laughs) And if you're curious how that's changing fashion... According to Trend Analytics, searches for velour tracksuits were up 41% between 2020 and 2021. Searches for tie-dye wear were up 179%. And searches for flared jeans were up by 45% from last year. Thank you, Harry Styles. Is disco coming back? It is. It's literally back. <laughs> you don't understand. Fashion is cyclical. This thing could come back. I think you're out of your mind. <laughs> So it feels like trends are influenced by, you know, the wealthy. We know that we want to sort of have nostalgic moments because they help us feel better. But why do you think we love to shop so much? Well, our brains are actually hardwired to want to shop. According to The Atlantic, a team of researchers looked at the brains of test subjects using fMRI technology as they made decisions while out buying clothes. The researchers found that when they showed one of the study's subjects a desirable object for sale, the area of the brain that processes pleasure, or the nucleus ambens, in the subject's brain lit up. The more a person wanted the item, the more activity the fMRI detected. So that's one half of shopping. The researchers then showed the subjects the item's price. The medial prefrontal cortex weighed the decision as the insula, which processes pain, reacted to the cost. (laughs) The pain of cost. Deciding whether to buy puts the brain, as the study put it, in a hedonic competition between the immediate pleasure of acquisition and an equally immediate pain of paying. The mindset is in line with evidence that shows happiness in shopping comes from the pursuit and sensation of wanting something. It's so interesting. It just feels like the brain is so active while we're shopping. You can see why we kind of like to do it. Well, fast fashion stores these days are set up to take advantage of your brain. First, the clothing is incredibly cheap, which makes it easy to buy. Way less pain, same amount of pleasure. Second, new deliveries and styles are frequent, which means customers always have something new to want. Combine that with social media and the internet where we're constantly being shown new styles and trends and we don't even have to go to a store to buy them. American shoppers buy about five times more clothing now than they did in 1980. No way. In 2018, that averaged 68 garments a year, the online firm Rent the Runway told The New Yorker. As a whole, the world's citizens acquire some 80 billion apparel items annually. That's... Honestly, disgusting. It's actually terrifying. Yeah. (laughs) 
And on average, each piece will be worn only seven times before getting tossed, according to a 2015 study by the British charity Barnardo's. That feels awful. I hope I wear my things more than seven times. The World Bank estimates that fashion is responsible for nearly 20% of all industrial water pollution annually. And the fashion industry releases 10% of carbon emissions in our air, according to McKinsey, and uses a fourth of all chemicals produced worldwide. Wow, at first studying trends seems kind of like interesting and funny, but by the end of it, it's pretty dark. But thinking about that 90s show, I think there is a way to rebring back how do we recycle these clothes? How do we go back and wear fashions that are actually old clothes? That could be an amazing way to at least minimize the impact of the fashion industry. Yeah, we vowed to only shop secondhand about a year and a half ago. And you said that's how you found your personal style because you have to sort of carve out for yourself what you want to wear instead of just being told what you're supposed to wear from like a fast fashion company. Before we go, one last little factoid to take you on your day. This one's a little anecdotal, but pregnancy was highly fashionable in the 15th century. Women who were not actually expecting children even went as far as stuffing pillows under their dresses to create the baby bump look. So there you have it. The science behind trends from two of the trendiest people you know. <laughs> That's it for this week's Know It All. I'm Greg Brown. And I'm Mitch Moffat. 